0: The most important for the coaches, and this is something that always I'm asking to myself, is that everything that we are doing, we have to understand why. All we have to ask ourselves, why am doing this? In Spain, we can say, por qué y para qué. It means why and for which reason. Hi, I'm Dan
1: Krikorian, and I'm Patrick Carney, and welcome to Slapping Glass. Exploring basketball's best ideas, strategies, and coaches from around the world. Today, we're excited to welcome Zenit St. Petersburg head coach, Javi Pascual. Coach Pascual is here today to discuss in-game coaching decisions, including tactical and substitution adjustments, the difference between making tactical and technical teaching points, and we talk great practice flow playing small during the always fun start sub or sit with members from the MBA to high school levels. We're excited to continue building a highly valuable learning and community platform called SG plus with SG plus. We aim to bring the highest quality and deepest insights of the game from around the world on a weekly basis to our almost 600 video archive on SGTV, private coaching community app, in our long read Sunday morning newsletter. If you're looking to explore and learn the game on a deeper level, or just save yourself time searching the internet for the best backdoor plays in Europe, visit slappingglass.com today and see why current members are calling it an essential platform for high-level coaching anywhere. We hope to see you there. And now, please enjoy our conversation with coach Javi Pasqual. Coach, thank you very much for making the time for us mid-season. We're really excited to talk to you today.
0: Thank you very much for the invitation. It's an honor to be here.
1: Thank you, coach. Appreciate that. We want to dive in this first section with you on in-game coaching. So all the things that go into actually being a successful coach in the game, which is obviously a much different skill than practice coaching. So we'll start broadly with it and just your thoughts and how you think about impacting the game as a coach in-game?
0: I think it's extremely important to be open mentally, especially in the philosophy that we are trying to work. So this is very important because, of course, for who is not coach, doesn't understand that we have to take these quick decisions in less than one second, let's say one substitution, to change one tactic on defense, to call one set in offense, to call one side of bounds, one baseline out of bounds. So everything is in one second. Or the people can say, can think sometimes that is like intuition decision, but nothing of this kind. Because you work yourself to be ready for this moment, to take this kind of decision. The impact of the coach in the game is extremely important right now. Because, okay, sometimes you prepare one game against one coach that, you know, let's say maybe in pick and roll always is making heads out and you prepare the game and you know that the game will be like this because this coach always is doing the same. This is one kind of coach that after that, let's say, usually you don't need to change too much things. If we are talking about in offense or if you are talking about in defense, because it's one coach that you have three days preparation game, you prepare the game and the game is exactly what you prepare. After that, you have another kind of coaches that, let's say, they have two different kinds of defense or a different kind of offense. This kind of coaches make you change things because probably on the preparation game you were thinking that let's say enough screams they will chase but against you they switch. So, otherwise you will not run the set or you need to find the solution and to give the player solution. So, when you read this action you have to give the solution to the player. And sometimes the players are ready for this solution because already you prepared this before, let's say. And if for this kind of defense we have to react like this Or on timeout, you have to use the timeout to give some solutions against this. If not, the third option is to don't use soft scrims because you cannot take advantage or to go to isolation. So in one second, you have to decide what you want. If you don't want to lose this part of the game and you want to use it in your favor, or if you accept to don't play because this part of the game, you know, or you want to attack the weakest defender over there. So in game... Coach must take a lot of decisions because also there is another kind of coach that you don't know exactly what they will prepare against you. And also if, let's say, you are one coach like Xavi Pasqual, let's say that everybody in Europe is thinking that he prepared a lot of the games, that tactically is very rich, you know that the opponent probably he will try to play something different against you in order to catch you and not to be ready. So you have to be ready to react. As I understand, basketball on game day, coach is extremely important.
2: Coach, in your decision-making process in a game, are you solely relying on your eyes and your gut for the decision-making? Or what role do your assistants play? And do like statistical information come in that you want during the game?
0: Yes, look, in my staff, I have one coach that is specific in defense and one coach that is specific in offense. So during the game, these coaches are giving me their opinion or their information, linking on defense or linking in offense. Every coach is doing his part of the job. So of course, sometimes you cannot read absolutely everything. And with the help of the assistants that you can read better the situations. Okay. But finally, the decision make it is from me. So they can give me information, but I have to decide. Only one person decide this time. So I have to be on top of everything. So. The most important is that coach uh, to understand everything that is happening during the game. But without assistance, it's impossible to do it well. Coach, just
1: following up, because you did mention how difficult it is to have to make decisions in half of a second. And it's very different, obviously, than practice, where you can have lots of time to think through things and whatnot. Over the years for you, as you've gone through your career as a coach, has that gotten easier for you to make quicker decisions in game?
0: I think, yes. I think it's something that I have inside. I feel, to say this about myself, sounds a little bit strange, but I feel very secure of myself in everything. And this helped me to take all the decisions. And I am one kind of coach that when I think something, I'm doing. I'm not this kind of coach that I think that I have to do this and I will not do because maybe... I will not be right. No, I'm not this. If I need to risk, I risk. If I need to make something different, I will do it. And so always I am one kind of coach that I like as a responsibility to have impact of the game because I think it's my responsibility to help the players to defense better or to play offense better, but not to give to the game to the players and to make the players to decide everything. And if they finally they score, it's a mistake of the players. If they finally don't score, his mistake of the players. I'm not this kind of coach. I want to be on top of everything and I want to have the responsibility of anything that is happening in the game.
1: Coach, another part of the in-game coaching we'd love to ask you about is just the emotional part of in-game coaching and how emotional you may or may not get at different points of the game when your team needs you to be emotional, when they don't. Things like that as well, kind of being able to have a pulse on how you are to your team from that standpoint as well during the game.
0: This part is very important in the practice and in the games both. First of all, we have to understand that all the players are different. So all the players must be inside of the same rules. It doesn't mean that you have the control of the rules in the same way. So you can speak differently to one player or another player because some players you need to shade them all the time in order to be hundred percent. And with another players you cannot do it because like this they feel exposed or they feel shame of themselves or something like that, and after that, they cannot work. So you have to understand your players, first of all, Then this is important, and you have to understand what they need all the time. Second, for sure, the most important is whatever we practice, we have to do it, but not to ask to the players in mandatory way things that you didn't practice. So let's say if you make preparation game, one back pick, let's say, or all you for one big, and they didn't follow the rule, you can shout the players, or you can ask the players to do it immediately. But if you didn't work this, if you didn't give the solution of this, first of all, you have to give the solution, and after that, you can ask for the reaction of the players. So coaches always, we must be fair of the reality. Not only because, oh, they score against us, and uh, uh, this is a bullshit, you don't play defense. Okay, you don't play defense. You play another kind of uh, defense because I didn't teach you what you have to do. So, if I teach what you have to do, you have to do. But if I didn't, I have to accept. So, uh, we have to be honest and your emotions must be inside of the reality, not inside of what you would like. No, I would like to do like this, but you can, but the players, they cannot do it because they are not ready to do it. So, you have to know exactly the reality.
2: Coach, if we can quickly pull away from the game, I'd just be curious to hear your thoughts on emotion in practice. When running a practice, your thoughts on being one of the emotional leaders?
0: Yes, for sure. Let's say I will put one example. As a leadership, we have to do active and sometimes also in a passive way. Let's say if you lose one game and you make a practice the day after is practice, no? And you want to show yourself disappointed, let's say, and to put in the players that you are mad for, the, for this loss. Let's say you will go to the practice without to shave. You will go to the practice with the clothes a little bit like this. You will not do it perfect. your uh, everything, And you will show that you are like this. But sometimes you lose one game and you have another game in 48 hours. So you will go perfect. You will go with somehow positive message, little and smile, because you don't want to put the players lower that they are after to lose the game because you need immediately reaction to win. So it depends how many days you have between the games. You will go in one direction or in another direction. So as I understand, the most important for the coaches, and this is something that always I'm asking to myself, is that everything that we are doing, we have to understand why. Always we have to ask ourselves, why am doing this? Oh, in English, sometimes it's difficult to say In Spain, we can say, por qué y para qué. It means why and for which reason. So the origin is because it happens this, and I will react like this because I want this. So every single action that the coach is doing in one practice, in one preparation practice, in one preparation game, we have to ask ourselves why. To don't lose even one second, to don't make any mistake. Because if you are mad and you come to the practice and immediately you start to shout all the players, because you, inside of you, you need to do it, this is not a reason. Because this reason will be only to feel yourself better. But if you want to feel yourself better, go home and shout. (laughs) Because this doesn't help to the team. So everything that you have to do it is for one reason. And the reason always, finally, is to win the next game.
1: Coach, just on the subject of emotions right now, for you as a coach in practice and in a game, kind of shifting for a second back to the in-game and how emotional you do or do not want your players to be during a game.
0: I like players that they feel the game, they enjoy the game, and they show emotions in the game. But there is three rules that never one player can forget. The first one is to be 100% of concentration. The second one is to be a teammate, a team player. And the third one is that when you are going to the shower and the water is coming over you, always you have to look around you. And when you look the eyes of another player, you will never put your eyes down because you feel shame from what you did. So always you have to put everything on the core, Everything. Concentration, everything on the core and team spirit. Let's say these three categories, always the players they When one player is not concentrated, when one player is not giving everything, or when one player is not a good teammate, I became crazy somehow. <laughs> sure. And this is another kind of reaction. But if these three topics they are okay, after that is to make solutions and to talk about basketball, nothing else.
2: Coach, I'd like to ask about another way you can impact a game. And that's through substitution. And just your thoughts on substitution patterns and how you view changing players.
0: I don't have exactly one plan of the game with substitution. I have one idea of what I want. starting five. After that, first substitution in this position will be this. Second substitution will be this. More or less, yes. But after that, we need to read the game because it's not the same to have two fouls in one minute that you have You know, two fouls in eight minutes is not the same after that how you will react. After that, you have to go to plan B and maybe you need to put one player before the substitution that you wanted to do because if not, the other player would have been risky because the opening is like this. You know, you have to be ready to understand the game and to change your plan. But I have one plan. Tactically, offensively, defensively, and as a management of the game. But you have to be ready for everything.
2: How much of your substitution game plan is matchup based versus I want to play these eight, nine guys? You know, how much is it depending on the opponent?
0: I don't know, 50%. Sometimes it depends because sometimes I want to have the initiative and let's say to go to the game more in offense mentality and sometimes I want to match up more in defense mentality. So it depends of the game. It depends at how many points you want to play or how many possessions you want to play or how many possessions you think that the game will be. So you can match up in one direction or in another direction. In general, I don't like to mismatch on the games too much. I don't like to give presents to the other team in general. But sometimes if consider that I give this present but for another side, I can win another. The balance can be in my favor. Thinking more in offense, I will do it. So it depends of every game. So I can say like 50% offensively and 50% defensively.
1: Coach, the other parts of the game where you have to make quick decisions and you also have to communicate quickly are timeouts and halftime where you've got to come together with your staff quickly or your players and make a decision and then communicate that decision. And just your thoughts over the years of how you've tried to structure timeouts or halftime so that you can get that information to them and you can make those good decisions with your staff.
0: Yes. First of all, is something that in the beginning for the players are more difficult, but when the season is going, day by day, they understand more what you write or what. So when you are with one team, like two, three years together is the perfect one to do it like perfect, no? Because... Everybody knows more each other. When you draw, they understand immediately or whatever, no? But for me, it's important to use some plays out of the playbook, let's say, after timeout in general. So more or less, always I'm using the same. First of all, I talk about defense. And second, I talk about offense. More or less, I have this idea. And also in half time, First of all, before to go inside of the locker room, I have a meeting with my assistants. First of all, the coach that is making defense, let's say, he speaks first. After that, the coach that is in offense, he speaks second. After that, the coach that is more uh, for individual characteristics, he speaks third. And after that, I'm going to the locker room. And I start from defense, I continue for offense, and in the last part, I gave all who is emotion, whatever I need emotionally, let's say. So, but more or less, always I follow the same order.
1: And coach, why defense first in the huddle? You know, why did you land on defense, then offense, in the timeouts and halftime?
0: Because a lot of times I give place to play. I like to be the last thing, because it's what will be more fresh when they jump to the court. This is the reason. Because in defense, okay, usually you don't ask something that you didn't work or can be one detail like this, but you know, it's more easy to keep them in their mind. Let's say if you were switching on defense and now you change the defense and you go to heads out, you know that for the team is ready for this. And let's say if you say if this can be let's say one color, you can say that okay, let's gonna change the defense of this player and now let's gonna do it blue, let's say. All the team with only this blue they understand exactly what they have to do so it's easier that in offense if I draw a new set that they never saw that is exactly new and I put them to play because I feel that this player has four fouls or because I feel that they are doing very bad once a specific situation or whatever and I want to attack this quick point of the open
2: when making adjustments defensively when did make adjustments defensively is my question. When to change your defense?
0: So can be, for example, the first uh, answer will be very easy. If you are playing against one team that the big guy is Mustafa Fall, let's say, no? So that is 220. So you know that if you switch in defense, probably your guard will try to be in front and it will be easier to play and let's say you will, probably you will lose this disadvantage inside. Let's say, let's gonna consider like this. But after that, you know, you were working heads out and it stop the ball and to put him out of the pain because he's not putting short roll. And, and okay. But after that, they make substitutions and he's coming as a second five, one five like Costello, let's say, that is a shooter. So after that, automatically you change the color and you are going to switch because if not, you will lose because he will make a pop out all the time, as an example. So only because of the characteristics of the bigs, you can change the defense of pick and roll because. Let's say you can say before the game when this big is inside, we run this. When this big is inside, we run this. But sometimes no, because they have three bigs, and after that there is another big that they don't know. So you can say you can change the defense with only one color. All the team will understand to change the defense, So with one name. I don't know with one city, with one whatever you want to use it. Or one code or one number or one whatever. But you can change automatically the defense because of this. Only because of this you can do it. And sometimes you need to change because, okay, you, you prepare one game, but the other team is killing you what you prepare. All the time they attack perfectly or whatever. And you need to change something because if not, you cannot be there in the bench as a spectators and what they said before. And to say to the players that you are not doing well because you are not aggressive and you are not, uh, oh, okay, as a coach, also, you have to react if every time they score. So, this kind of thing.
2: And on that note, coach, What is the factor that, yeah, they're scoring too well, we need to change it versus, you know, they're going to score occasionally, let's stay with it.
0: When I feel that my team has stopped to believe in something, can be, or when I feel that the other team start to feel comfortable, but it's something that is my perception of the game, according of the experience, according of the knowledge that I have in the preparation game, according of the knowledge that I have before in the same situations in my life, let's say basketball life, so it's a mix. This is what he was saying, that for the people, looks like these decisions are spontaneous decisions, but behind is a lot of knowledge, it's a lot of job, that the coach is ready because of this, to take these decisions in one second. It's how much you work, more ready you are.
2: Coach, back to when you're talking about the characteristics of the big man, what characteristics of the point guard will affect your coverages?
0: Okay, it depends on a lot of things also, but of course, let's say let's gonna consider that you play switch on defense, no? And the other team has not any good driver inside of the team, only they are players that they are good shooters, and you prepare your bigs that in any switch to be closer and to don't allow put up three points and you know, pull up three points, sorry, and only to ready to contest the shot and after that to come back to the rebound or something like that. Okay. And like this, is working. But the other team make one substitution and put one player that is excellent driver. Let's say one option is to continue and to try to teach your player to give a little bit distance for this player because it's better driver than shoot. But if he's excellent driver and excellent shooter, what do you do? So sometimes uh, you have to react. How? Eitherwise, you make one early trap after the switch. That is something that you can do it. Or with him who don't switch. And you can go, let's say, with all the players switching, but with this player, you keep the heads out, for example. So to don't allow him to be protagonist because he's the best player of the team and to make him all the time to take out the ball of his hands. So this is one reaction that you make in the game. So previously, you have to be ready for this. Or sometimes, no, sometimes, because it's one player that is not super stable, you are waiting until to score one, let's say. You continue in the same direction, but after that, when he score one, let's say one pull up three points, or when he drives one time and he takes golf out and he scored, you decide to change the defense. So, sometimes you are waiting one action, but sometimes no, because you are sure that they will kill you. Or maybe because the characteristics of my big, that I make one substitution and my second big cannot play one-on-one one in the same direction. So it's so many different variants that, make you change the decisions
1: going back to the in-game coaching question that we've been talking about but more what you do after the game with yourself and your staff to look back on the decisions you made the game plan the strategy if there's anything you guys do to kind of look back and decide whether or not what you did was right what did you do the same is there any sort of post-game meeting with you and your staff to kind of go over your decisions you made in the game
0: My style of work is always in every practice before the practice, two hours before we have to be in the gym. And around one hour, 30, until 30 minutes before the practice, more or less, one hour, every day we have a meet. In this meeting, we prepare the plan of the game, which sets we want to work during this, let's say, two days before the game, which sets we want to work in offense, which new ideas or new sets we want to implant in these two days to play against this opponent. And in defense, which one will be our main defense and which one will be our second defense and how. And which sets of the other team we are going to work during the practice, if we want to work some. So in these meetings, we decide everything. We decide as a preparation practice and and as a preparation game. So when the game is coming, we know exactly what we want. Which one is our plan of the game, defensively and offensively. Which is the weakest point of the opponent and we want to attack over there. Let's say if we want to go to the low post because we have advantage with one player, we want to attack pick and top, pick and roll or pick and roll with four, or we want to attack pick and roll gar guard because they have mistakes, or we want to go to off screens because they cannot chase, or to attack the weakest defender, everything. And defensively the same. Let's say we play against the dosage and we don't want that the dosage has the ball in his hand. So every time we are going to play trap, let's say. I put one example. When I say names, it's only to help the people to understand what I'm talking about. But if we die somewhere, we'll be from another player, but never from him. Or let's gonna do it different. Let's gonna die only with three points of position four of the other team, let's say. So every time on pick and roll track, and only position four can shoot, but we will not give any rotation. Let's say it can be another uh, part of the game, or not. Or let's gonna give always three points of the pointer going under, and if we lose, this pull up pointer, but no one else will play. So you have to decide where you want to die, because always you cannot be perfect in all the points. In some situations, you will be weak 100%. So you have to decide where. So it's not me that I'm coming to the game and I make like this and I'm, no, it's all my stuff together. We create one plan or the last day I say exactly what I want. I say to my assistants, okay, from what? I want this, 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 this. And finally, with all the information, I took the decisions for sure. This is why I'm here. But I don't consider that it's my decisions. I consider that it's our decisions because we're working as a team together.
1: We're excited to partner with one of our favorite new analytics platforms, Hoopsalytics, a high-powered, affordable, and easy-to-use video and analytics system for coaches of all levels at a fraction of the price of some of the other platforms available. Unlike other systems, Hoopsalytics lets you create fully customizable events and sets and analyzes them for you through video link stats, interactive shot charts, and other tools. Zero programming is required. For a free trial and to receive a 25% discount on the product, visit hoopsalytics.com slash glass. That's hoopsalytics.com slash glass. And now back to our conversation coach, this has been great so far. We want to shift now to another segment on the show that we call start, sub, or sit. And so what we'll do is we'll ask you a question, give you three different choices. We'll ask you to start one, sub one, and then sit one. And then we will discuss your answer from there. So coach, if you're ready, we can dive into this first one.
0: Okay. I will try.
1: <laughs> okay. So that's good. Coach, this first question has to do with when you go watch another team practice, whether in the off season or whenever it is, these three things, these three choices will give you start, sub or sit are the things that you mostly take away from another good practice. So your start would be your favorite thing about that practice when you go watch. So start, sub or sit, the structure of the practice or just how it flows The second option is the intensity of the entire practice. And the third option is just the way they teach, the teaching style of that staff in practice.
0: A, a structure, B, how he teach, and C, intensity.
1: Okay, perfect. Well, coach, I'd love to just start then with your start, the structure of the flow. Over the years, if you've gone and watched other coaches practice, what are some things that you've picked up like good practice tips to have a good structure that practice flows and makes sense?
0: First of all, I have to say that unfortunately right now when you are in so many years in a row in my situation, coaches are coming to watch your practice, but you are not going to watch no one. Only I'm going to watch coaches like second team of your club, third team of your club, or on summer come practice. But because as you understand, you cannot go anywhere. This is the but for me methodology is extremely important. How you organize the team, how many times you lose between drills, how you communicate the change of the drills, how the players they run for the new positions on the new drill, how the players they understand exactly your words. I put a lot of attention of this, and after that, how the methodology of how they teach. Let's say because how many times you are going to one practice because in summer I'm going to practice of kids around and you saw one coach that has one line they are making let's say crossover and suddenly in the middle is one line of 10 kids, the first guy is working he uses the the whistle he stopped, he's coming there he teaches exactly the crossover and 9 kids are behind that are nine, ten years old. And they start to play each other, to fight each other because they, he stopped to their boring Because the coach is using two minutes for something that you cannot do like this in kit. Because when the correction, my opinion, when the correction is technical corrections, you have to do it aside of the group. When the correction is tactical corrections, you have to do it with the group, in front of the group. So. I put attention of this and I'm going after that to coaches to make them to understand, no, I'm not going like, oh, I'm, I'm Xavi Pascual, I have these trophies and you have to do what I said. No, I'm not going like this, but I'm going and I'm trying to make them to understand. You know that today, one kid in one hour, in fact, he practiced 20 minutes because of your corrections. Can you imagine how many number of repetitions he could do it if you make the corrections? In another direction, let's say. So this is what I'm trying to teach to the coaches. This is what I like to understand on the practice. When
2: making tactical corrections, what are you mindful of when you're going to correct in front of the team?
0: Let's say. Let's gonna put one simple example. Uh, like, because it's very important to do it in front of the team because everybody, all the players, they must understand mistakes that they need to avoid. Let's say. You said one scream. But it's one off screen, okay, without ball, and the defender chase. Let's see, no? So you set the screen, and this is a right screen because, you know, chasing is coming close to you, and after that, okay. But if the defender is going through, you can make a pivot foot, no? And with this pivot foot, giving always time and distance to the defender, only with one small pivot foot, your player can be open. But if you move the screen, will be offensive foul. So this is individual tactics that you can teach in front of everybody. Because when, let's say, the one that is making mistake is not the only one that is playing in this position, we have two, three players more that they can play in this position. So this correction is for him and for the rest of the players. So this is why tactical corrections, I think, that must be in front of everybody. But if you want to correct one player that is shooting and in the last moment make like this and doesn't follow the shot you don't need to stop the practice in front of everybody to say no when you shoot the left hand must fall right because you yes or not so one thing is technical and another thing is tactical and for me it's very important to separate how you make the corrections on the practice
2: and with tactical corrections coach will you stop and correct them right away if you see it or is it if it's a recurring thing then we need to correct it
0: in general i stop in the moment but sometimes you are making the practice and you start to feel that the practice has not rhythm because you are making too much corrections especially on precision sometimes that you need to read them because it's part of the physical condition and you try to make the corrections after the practice because you make the video to the practice and after the practice you make the corrections it depends of the moment of the season you stop more or not. But in general, I like to make the corrects when it happens.
2: Coach, talking on rhythm, if we're in preseason and it's just a bad practice, bad rhythm, guys maybe not focused, it's just not a good practice, what will you do when you know it's just not a good practice?
0: Sometimes you have to accept that it's not a good practice. This is the first. <laughs> <laughs> But it depends of every moment. You have to understand maybe they are tired. You have to understand why, to understand the reality. Depends what you are doing during the practice, you know. It depends. When you feel that they are lazy or something like this, you have to go straight and blah, 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 blah. But when you feel that can be because another reason, can be because they are tired or because they didn't recover well or because it's after day off, because sometimes after day off, they or because you didn't make a good warm-up or because not always is the same. And if you are going inside of you, you can find the reality.
2: Coach, our last start subset for you has to do... With playing small, in moments when you play a smaller lineup, what are your defensive concerns? So starting being your most concerning thing on defense that you're thinking about with a small lineup. Is it the rebounding? Is it defending the post? Or is it your ability to pressure the ball just to really make ball movement, body movement difficult with your speed?
0: Pressure to the ball is the most important. Defensive rebound, second, and low post defense. Because low post defense finally I put the third because tactically you must be ready for this without pressure to the ball with a small lineup is very difficult to play especially when the ball is going to the wings there must be maximum pressure there because they cannot pull the ball inside and this pressure with the combination to deny the high low actions you can win several seconds and finally to have success in your defense
2: Staying on denying the high low action. When you're small, will you try to deny all passing lanes or will you gap if it's not a high low pass? But are you concerned then with stopping the freedom of movement for the passing when you're small or we say let's deny lanes, make everything difficult?
0: You have to understand where is the weakest point. If you have the weakest point after the switch and defense, let's say you have the weakest point in the low post is weak point. You have to put full pressure on the wings when the ball is going there to try to be in front, to don't allow easy pass inside and to deny the high low. This pressure, these three players must be the, the key. So in this situation, I want to deny all high post and low post, both. But if the ball is on the top and they try to play isolation against your big and your big is exposed, let's say, against the guard, I will not deny the first two lines of pass. I will collapse the drive. So for me, the pressure when you are with a small ball, the key of the pressure, okay, everything is important for sure. But to deny line of pass for me is when the ball is on the wings.
1: Coach, when it comes to rebounding, are all players the same for you as far as either blocking out or not blocking out and just going and getting the ball? I mean, is there a specific way that you want everybody to rebound or does it depend on who you are and your skill set as to whether or not you would block out or just go and find rebound?
0: Everybody must make box out, this 100%. And after that, it depends on the position of the core. You have to react different, let's say. If you are X5 and you are in 3 points line and you make box out there, after the box out, you have to go under the basket to take the rebound. If you are X1 and you are on the top and you make box out there, you have to keep your player there and nothing else. If he doesn't go inside to take the rebound. So the same position that is one rebound on the top, it depends on the characteristics of the player who is, must go under the basket or not. So it's different, everyone. But everybody must participate on the different rebound.
2: When you're talking about in-game adjustments that you know sometimes maybe... You'll make adjustments knowing you're going to give up one thing, but you think you can get an advantage elsewhere. If you're playing small, we may be tough to rebound. We got to guard the post. But what do you think about offensively then that you can gain back on the offensive end when you're going to play small wall?
0: The first thing, the most important is when you are going to the low post to play in offense with one guard, the first line of defense is destroyed because the other team must choose if to open one, three points of position five. They, and rotate or not. This is the first point that you have advantage. The second one is driving inside of the paint. If in any, colla- in any closeout or in any pick and roll or in any off screen you can drive inside of the paint, the first line of defense is out. So usually you can get layups or clear open shot. This is the two main points as, uh, you have to consider as advantage. Um,
1: you kind of mentioned it, but if you are playing smaller, are you concerned at still trying to get a post presence at all? Or is the ability to drive to the rim and maybe find kick-out threes, is that enough of an advantage to say, hey, this is okay, even if we don't have someone traditionally in the post?
0: Yes, if you have no one to play in the post, you have to take the advantage from one creation somewhere and close out. But if the other team, they decide to switch also, The game is coming one on one. So you have to give the ball to the most ability player to drive in and from there to finish or to pass out. There is not another possibility. Okay. You can make tricks like to slip the screens and things like this. Okay. Sometimes you take some advantage, but finally the game is going like this.
1: Well, coach, you're off the start, sub, or sit hot seat. Thanks for playing that game with us. That was a lot of fun. We've got one more question for you to close the show. But before we do, Thank you very much for your time and your thoughts today. This was really great.
0: Thank you very much for the time. It was a pleasure.
1: Coach, our last question that we ask all the guests is, what's one of the best investments that you've made in your career as a coach?
0: I think the education, I think is the most important. But from my point of view, it's difficult to choose only one topic. The coach that were speaking with you during this hour is one full person, and this full person is created by parents education, my studies of engineer, my friends, my family, my coach education, my experience. So everything is one finally. But if I have to choose something, I have to choose education. Education is always the key of the life.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please make sure to visit slappingglass.com for more information on the free newsletter, Slapping Glass Plus, and much more. Have a great week coaching, and we'll see you next time on Slapping Glass. Do we have a name yet for this thing? I have like slapping (laughs) backboard. Slapping glass. Slapping glass. That's kind of funny. I like that. Let's roll. (laughs) Slapping
0: glass.